Hey guys, this is Liz Cambay. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Epic Starfire. Hey, this is Imani Mee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. Oh, welcome in, WNBA Nation. It's your playoff preview with uh, with the WNBA Nation crew. I've got Steve Schwartzman with me today, feeling a little bit under the weather, but still stepping up to the plate to handle these four matchups. Steve, how are you doing? Got to. This is my flu game, man. It's playoffs. It's what it's, what it's about. I'm excited. <laughs> we're doing this. We've got playoff matchups to preview. Uh, the games are going to start. We're, we're actually going to have a lot of episodes coming out kind of rapid fire over the next two weeks. We've got our, our show schedule out. So we've been averaging like one a week over the last probably six weeks. Uh, be on the lookout for, for your stream to be constantly updated with the latest and greatest in what's going on in the playoffs. Um, Steve, do you want to give us the, the plugs and then we will dive right into, I don't have it. Just you give the plugs and I'll decide how, which order we're going to go in here. You got it. Um, as always, you can connect with anything we have going on at WNBANation.com. That'll connect you to all of our socials, such as at WNBANationPod on Twitter. Likewise, over at Facebook, you can connect to our Twitch and check out our episodes live as they're recorded. Uh, we love our Twitch community. Uh, of course, you can connect to the show. You can find us anywhere your podcast can be found, and we would encourage any comments, ratings, uh, that are conducive with wherever you're listening, especially if you're on Apple Pod, five star and a comment would be fantastic. You can connect with our playback structure if you want to do some watch parties with us, our merch store, pretty much anything and everything, articles here, there, and everywhere. And that's the run of it. So stay connected with us, check out the website, but uh, as always, feel free to reach out. Let us know what we can do to make the show and the experience here as positive as possible. And if I sound ener- you know, under energetic, I'm just, I'm just trying not to cough on Mike. So we're good. But there you have it. Thanks for listening to Plug Time. Back <laughs> to you in the studio. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We're going to dive right into the playoffs here. Uh, if you're not familiar or if you forgot that they changed it in the offseason. This is the first round. Uh, they will be a best of three. There's not going to be a, a wonky single elimination at the bottom of the bracket and then like a double buy at the top of the bracket. We don't believe in that anymore. Um, first of all, before we dive into the specific matchups, Steve, uh, it, it's a more traditional format. It makes a lot of sense. It probably allows new viewers to grab hold of it a lot easier. How do you feel about the elimination of the double buy and the single elimination games? Um. I mean, I enjoy it. I, I really only care to do like buy systems when basically the numbers support it. You know, if you have like a 12 or a six or 12 team playoff structure, then you can do it. Um, my feeling on the matter is there's enough advantage being given to top seeds with home court with, I mean, the fact that they're probably the better team statistically that I'm okay with that. So I, I'm cool without the buy structure. I'm a series guy. I know we had a Twitch question, D Smith talking of uh, asking about the, the three game structure in the first round and how we feel there. I I mean, I've never been cool on single elimination when it's come to this run because I feel like every time we watch these single elimination games, we all run into that same situation of like this should be a three game series. Like <laughs> it feels like you know the you have that handy shot against the sky that was really cool and especially having the single elimination added intensity. 
to that moment years ago. But at the same time, you watch that shot go in and it hurts you a little bit to be like, this guy kind of deserve one more shot, don't they? Like, it, it almost like yeah. hurt your heart a little to be like, yeah, they should get yeah. another crack at it. And, and that's what made it interesting. I mean, I'm a standard believer of more games, to be honest. Like, I, not necessarily, like, I know the MNBA does 7777. I'm not fully in on that. That's quite a lot. But, like, my dream one day is that we finally have a 577. Like yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, but that's, that's always probably going to be pie in the sky. So, like, I would have gone straight fives if it was me. Um, but if not, I think doing that first round run with the best of three, um, is certainly, I, I would say this, while I would prefer five, the gap between my, like, my, uh, satisfaction with a three game or five game series, the gap's much wider between a one game and a three game series. I'm much happier to have that than to have single elimination. So I will live with it for now. Hopefully yeah. it evolves over time. Yeah. I think we're in agreement there. I, I will miss. Yeah. I will miss the chaos of uh, the one game, single elimination and watching the best teams like sit for a week, um, maybe get a little bit rusty, but this playoff uh, format makes a lot more sense. It, it, three is the most feasible thing to do for the first round right now, so that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, we are going to kick off with the number one seed Las Vegas Aces, who won a shootout against the Seattle Storm for the right to the one seed. They actually um, they beat the Storm, and then they won a tiebreaker in record over the Chicago Sky to secure the one seed. We'll take on the eight-seeded Phoenix Mercury. Las Vegas Aces 26-10. and 10. Phoenix Mercury finished season 15 and 21. Obviously a tumultuous season there for the Mercury who were in the finals just last year. Uh, initial thoughts and impressions on these two teams. I mean, I just really feel bad for Phoenix as a whole. I mean, I'll say that much. It just feels like um, the remaining crew they have have put their work in and tried to secure this spot. And, and you have to be proud of that. Uh, but you're looking at this and you're potentially looking at, I mean, it looks like I believe they would have to win the series to get Diana back in any structure. I want to say they had her out through at least the first round, but probably for the, the rest of the go. You're without Skylar Diggins Smith. You're, of course, still dealing with a lot of, uh, all of the off court issues with, um, you know, still trying to get Brittany Griner home, you know, the offshoot of the Tina Charles situation. All kinds of situations like that. It's been a wild year. So for them to land in the eight is a pretty neat setup there. I, I just was, I was surprised. I just figured that was kind of almost, I felt, I almost felt like Skydig leaving felt like that sort of like lay down the towel situation. And then the Mercury picked up a win or two toward the end of the season. I'm not in the final game, but at least toward the end of the season enough to secure that last seed. And it was surprising to me. I, I wasn't planning on that. That said, it's, I'm not sure what else to say other than, you know, it, it's intriguing because both of the teams in the series had high implications heading right to the end of the season. Because the Aces ended the final day not knowing where they were going to be sitting seating-wise. And they were able to get the job done. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's a hard one because it's like for yeah. matchup case, I mean, this one feels fairly obvious. But... Uh, I would be shocked if there's someone there that knows how to say something that would shut me up. Yeah, here's here's the two leading storylines for this series to me. Um, the first being that Phoenix's season, I wouldn't even consider it 
I don't consider it like a wasted season. I don't consider it necessarily a nightmare season. But we came into this year, and to, by the way, I'm going to toot our I'm going to toot our own horn a little bit here because um, I know several hosts absolutely saw this coming in the preseason predictions. Remember back last spring, people were talking about how stacked Phoenix was. They had at the time Tina Charles, Diana Tarazi, Sky Dugan Smith. It looked like a, a superstar, you know, studded type cast that was going to make another run at the finals. And uh, we, uh, a couple of people did have them either out of the playoffs or scrapping to get into the playoffs. So this wasn't entirely unforeseen, but those three players that I just mentioned are not going to be a factor in this series. And that was supposed to be the core of this Phoenix team this year. In addition to Brittany Griner, who was playing MVP basketball last season and is obviously also not with the team and not, not only not with the team, but I think obviously in the forefront of everything that that team and organization has, has been doing this year. And in a, in, in a way, I think that it, it's, it feels gross to talk about how that affects your competitive advantage on the floor because it's more important than that, but it does affect your play on the floor night in, night out. So yeah, those are their four best players. They're not going to be on the floor. Las Vegas, uh, won all three games between these teams, uh, by an average of over 16 points. Uh, a little bit of a fun fact here. They, they played all three of those games before June. I mean, they haven't played in two months because they, <laughs> Vegas, uh, was three of the first six games for Phoenix and then they just haven't seen each other. I don't think it's going to matter. Vegas is hosting. Phoenix doesn't have the, the firepower. I, I expect someone like maybe Sophie Cunningham goes out and has like an, an electric game, but I don't think it's going to end up mattering in the final score. So. This, to me, this is an easy Vegas win, and we don't have to spend too much time on it. Since Tina Charles left the team, since the divorce, because that's what they call it, um, <laughs> Cunningham's actually kind of been the impetus to the Mercury being in the spot they've been. Since she's left, she's dropped 16 and 5 and shot over 45%. She shot over 40% from three in that stretch. So if there's anyone that could potentially be a spark, that wakes some teammates up. I think Sophie is that player. Um, I think there are a lot of players who are going to come in and try to make this thing interesting early. I mean, Shea Petty's there. Bree Turner's there. You've got the mother of Pancake Gustafson, Megan. Um, Pancake may make an appearance. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. I don't think there's a rule that says the dog can't play basketball in the league. I know that's an Airbud thing, but I don't know how it works in real life. But we may have a corgi on the court. That's actually of my like keys for the series. That would be my key for the series for Phoenix is get Pancake in there, see what see what they can do. But um, that being said, where <laughs> I think where yeah. I think it's going to really seal it is is just going to be the Aces' depth. I I expect Phoenix to be firing quickly and early. You might even see them run an impressive lead in at least the first game. And I think the Aces' de- depth and their defensive prowess slows this team down and essentially wears them out. Uh, that's, you know, just where that situation runs as it, as it sits right now. Because I think what they understand in Vegas is we have something to sizably match with everything they're going to run with. So Cunningham is one call out and with Cunningham, you just go, well, we'll, we'll let Plum and Cunningham run each other up and down the track and maintain a stout front court. And eventually that dam's going to burst. So that's, that's where it sits right now. Um, 
But the Mercury lately have had a lot of fun standing up when everyone's looking at them funny. I think they've really enjoyed that. So I think they're going to try to make this thing fun. I mean, obviously they're going to try to win. That's how basketball teams work. Uh, but yeah, I mean, outside of that, I don't know that it, it's much more to play off of the situation. I do want to hit one quick question. We don't have to dive deeply into this because it's a whole separate conversation, but the is securing the one spot to be put in this matchup. Um, they defeated the storm at the end of the season to do that. It included a big defensive performance from Asia Wilson, specifically on a play by Bree Stewart at the end of that game is securing the seat enough, enough just to get it out of the way to slot the MVP to Asia Wilson, just to make this interesting. I just thought I'd ask. That's a good question. I don't know. I probably, um, I do think that team success has a lot to do with award season. Although, well, I will say that if you're giving awards like like I know AP released their awards today, if you have the defensive player of the year in Asia Wilson, the most improved player of the year in Jackie Young, and a potential MVP candidate in Kelsey Plum, which I I don't think is real, but like people were tossing it around, it to me that kind of erodes your argument for any one player being an MVP if you're on a team of like a starting five that all could be like all WNBA. Um, I think people are a little bit saturated with Bree Stewart winning every award. And so it's a little bit harder for her to win an MVP, um, especially with the Seattle storm and the four seed. Um, and to an extent, I agree with that. I just, I don't want to, you know, Kobe's your guy. This happens in the NBA all the time where you look back on someone's career and you're like, how did they only win X amount of, MVP awards or all WNBA, all the NBA awards. And it's because of this. It's because we kind of get fatigue voting for the same person every year. And so, you know, Asia Wilson doesn't have a ring yet. They're the one seed. Feels like maybe that, that would make sense. But maybe we're overthinking it. Like, I, I still think Bree Stewart has a good argument. It wouldn't be. F- it's funny to me that that wouldn't also be the obvious point for Bree in the exact same scenario. And that's a team and that's a player who's won two rings. So that's what makes it interesting. People want to drop the plum discussion. I just think so like I would never get a, a media vote for any of these awards simply because honestly, a lot of times when I make these type, if I were to make these type of decisions, I basically would close my eyes and picture the MVP and it would probably be Asia Wilson. Like, and I think that that is as well of a researched way to pick this as anything else. I just think sometimes you feel it, you note it. Um, but you know, it's intriguing to me. I think the other thought too, and we'll hit this more as we go later is, you know, I don't see any scenario where Becky Hammond isn't coach of the year, but for instance, the associated press disagreed with me today. Um, yeah, yeah, I saw that. They, it was, uh, they picked Tanisha, right? Yeah. I guess from there, it's just, um, as far as predictions go, I feel like we both have Vegas. Do you have Vegas going with a sweep here? Do you think Phoenix squeaks a game out? How do you see that pounding out? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, X Factor, I love you. And almost it, it feels like a merciful end of the season. Um, I, I think there is reason to be hopeful for next season. Obviously, the Griner situation is going to be a big part of that one way or another. Um, 
just to have that kind of cloud lifted off of the team and to be able to get her back, I think would do a lot for this team. So um, it, I, I think sending Phoenix into the offseason isn't going to be the worst thing for them. <laughs> this, I, I feel like their expectations have been appropriately low for a while now. Yeah, I, I think so. So, um, yeah, I would, I'd expect this to be, you know, it's hard to call two zero sweep. That seems weird to me. Um, but I, I would expect Vegas to win this one in two games. It does. Yeah, it, it does feel weird. So, so there you have it. Uh, that, that takes us to a matchup that I think is a little more exciting. <laughs> yep. We do have a two seven matchup that I think is a little bit more intriguing. Um, you've got a, an all WNBA year from Candace Parker leading the Chicago sky to 26 and 10 tied with aces for the best record in the league. They are the two seed taking on and hosting the New York Liberty in the seventh seed who finished the record, uh, finished the season with a record of 16 and 20. Uh, they were one of those teams that we kind of wondered, like, are they going to make it at the start of the year? We kind of talked about like, do they have enough to make the playoffs? Are they going to string together enough win? Um, they have had a couple ugly losing streaks throughout their season, but ended the season, uh, six and two in their last eight, actually seven and three in their last 10. So, um, Sabrina's playing great. Chicago's the reigning champs. Uh, what do you think is kind of the headlining? If, if if you were writing this story, what's your what's your lead paragraph of this series? I think this has the potential for a lot of fun, close <laughs> matchups. It's tough. I, I, the it's interesting because I what I enjoy about this series is pos- the position by position matchups are going to be really good. You have two quick, uh, score friendly backcourts. With amazing distributors, you have some pretty stout front courts that can stretch the floor well. Um, you know, you have two like high talented point forward type players in Natasha Howard and of course Candace Parker. Um, a lot of that, a lot of it may come down to how those matchups come together. The X's and O's of this series are going to be really interesting. I think the bird's eye view, if you're not aware, um, the, I mean, the last time we saw Chicago and New York match up, it was a eight point Chicago win. Um, and then they played like six days prior. It was one of those funny, like double headers that was separated by like a week. Um, but they, they played before that in New York and the Liberty actually eked out a three point win. And then early, early in the season, uh, they lost in Chicago by two. And then at the very start of the season, um, Chicago beat the crap out of them by like 33. But um, their last three games against one another, these, these have been single-digit games, even one-possession type games. Um, also, just in general, I think it's worth talking about... Uh, I, I'll get ahead of this now. I don't think it's going to sting the sky in the first round. I think Chicago as reigning champs and with Candace Parker at the head is about as safe a bet as you can make. But it's worth mentioning now because I do think it'll come up sometime this postseason. Chicago's been winning close. Um, and they have been winning, but like the, the three seed, uh, Connecticut Sun has like a significantly better point differential than Chicago does. They, the sky like to, <laughs> like to stress their fans out a little bit. And the Liberty, as we know, either win close or lose close, but they're in every game. Uh, and I, I think for that reason, this series does gain a little bit of intrigue. In fact, I expect other than the four or five matchup, this is probably, well, no, I, I think a lot of people are going to take the wings in a game, um, over the sun at least, but, 
Um, there, there is a lot of potential for the Liberty to steal at least one game here. It, probably a lot of people aren't going to pick them to win the series, but I, I think they'll be a... I guess what I'm saying is I, I think it'll be a common thing to assume this series will go a couple, you know, a couple games. You know, it'll it'll be more than three game series are weird because it just means you add one more. Like if if you're tied one one, you play for the, you know you only need two to progress. So like I I don't know. I, I keep thinking we're gonna do a five game first round, and I keep thinking like you know if with a with a long series, I think I would give the Liberty a chance to extend it. Uh, but but in a three game series, I think Chicago is actually gonna take care of business. I would I would probably bet on the Chicago sweep here. But don't be surprised if they're nail biters. And these, these could be easily the best games of the first round. New York, like I said, New York loses every game by like a bucket. <laughs> I have this going only two games where I think it differentiates for, from the one eight matchup. I, I expect Vegas to beat the Mercury pretty comfortably. I not necessarily blowouts, but I don't anticipate things to, I, I think things will be pounded out, uh, you know, well before the pivotal minutes of the fourth quarter. This is one where I, I I expect the Liberty to make it interesting. I would anticipate Chicago winning oh, this zero. But but the reason for that is for everything you had said, which is Chicago has put in a lot of hours winning close games, and that is precisely what they need heading into this playoff structure because since the aces have come out swinging, find themselves in a top spot, uh, somehow Chicago again seems to be slightly under, you know, like they're in that situation. They always find themselves in where they have just enough of that chip on their shoulder. They don't need a huge one, but they need just enough of a chip to give them that edge. And you never, ever, ever, yeah. ever want to give Candace Parker and Clay Copper and Courtney Vandersloot, that type no. of edge. That's a big no-no. And they've <laughs> gone and done it. I yeah, I fully expect Yeah, I fully expect the the Chicago the the drum beat in Chicago for a repeat to be more than just like, oh, that would be nice to get a second ring. Like Candace Parker doesn't feel like she's done winning rings, and I, I fully believe that they're capable of doing that this year. As Kyle mentioned in the chat, because Kyle just popped it in the chat a couple minutes ago, the two seed has a tougher road this year. Um, it is, it is not smooth sailing and the Liberty are going to be a tough out. I, I guess I kind of spoiled this, this take the, uh, on my first go around, but despite, I think probably some really cool highlights from Sabrina, um, because she's known to go off at the end of games and keep things close and give the Liberty a chance. I think Chicago wins the best two O series we've ever seen. <laughs> like it's, I think, I think they're going to win their, their first two games and not give the Liberty a chance at it, but it's going to be really fun to watch. I think Liberty fans may not be pleased that they're probably that uh, for not winning a series. Cause he was pleased with that. I think everything else they'll be very pleased with, not just because of the level of performance, but because I just have the feeling that more, firepower is on the way that there is more artillery headed up the mountains yeah. and on their way to New York. Yeah. And I Give yourself. Be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if it's yeah. enough of a boost uh, that it, it puts New York in heavy running. Most people know what I'm talking about, but if not, I just feels yeah. like I am not an I insider. Just feels like it's headed that way. <laughs> if the Liberty conduct themselves well in the playoffs this season, 
no matter what happens this off season, there's going to be a lot of buzz over how high they can climb um, just with one or two additions. So, yeah, I, I wanted to pose a question for you. Um, the the games this year, so Sabrina had an awful game against Chicago early in the season. She had two points. She did not do well. The team lost by 30. Um, she had another game where she went 27 and 13 and 12 for an insane triple-double. And I believe that was the game that they won. What what does her stat line need to look like if if I could travel from the future? Yeah, if I could travel from the future and tell you, Steve, Sabrina put up these numbers. What would those have to be to convince you, like, oh, then the Liberty must have won the game? Honestly, a triple double would be helpful, but I actually wouldn't mind seeing her point scale in the teens because what that tells me is it probably means that Nigelani's in double figures, that Natasha Howard's in double figures, that. Sammy Whitcomb is potentially double figure. Like that tells me that she's contributing to a yeah. high octane offense. And if she's dropping 30 plus, that tells me that there has to be some sort of disjointedness within their system. And it probably means they're not going to win. Um, which, but the, they got the win with that 27 point triple double. And that might be the most impressive individual performance of the season. If you ask me like it, was a super good game. Like I'm not one to do the she's in the MVP was, discussion. I am strongly, I am strongly in the she should be the most improved player. That's me. Um, but she's she's first team all WNBA according to, to AP, and I I think that puts you in the MVP discussion at least on the fringes. And also, like I think super deserved. I think she's shown this is the year we got to see the Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, you know, the, the, like, she'll be a champion. She'll, like, she'll, she's going to be one of those names and she's shown that very much. Um, so, and that's a big part of why I said, like, I think people, you know, New York fans should be extremely excited for what the future withholds with them. This was a team that had a rocky start. It was very frustrating if you're a fan of the team and played with some energy, with some frustration, with some scrappiness. And got to put themselves in a playoff situation that didn't seem likely like a week and a half ago. They were as low as 11th. I mean, it, it really at one point seemed like it was not going to be probable for them. And they found their way in this position and that's pretty exciting for them. Um, so I'm excited for that. I will say one thing real quick about Chicago's note. You talked about how the realisticness of a, of a repeat for them and how it's more than just a pie in the sky type of thing. I think for someone like Candace Parker, especially, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely a goal because, uh, we love goat talks. We love legacy talks, don't we? And I don't think there's anyone who buys more into the legacy persona than Candace because honestly, the community, she's very much around because she's very much connected with all of basketball and people love those discussions. Nothing cements a legacy more than being able to do something Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, uh, you go down the list, Lauren Jackson, uh, Tamika Catchings, Maya Moore, none of those, Sylvia Fowles weren't able to do. And that's win back to back championships. The last time it was done, the last player that can tout that was her former teammate, Lisa Leslie. And so, like, that's, that's actually something that I think in her head she goes, this puts a big stamp in my name in that discussion. And I like, while I don't think she's someone who's purely an individual accolades person, cause she isn't, she's an incredible team player. She has to have that in the back of her mind. Like, you know what? I would love people to remember 
me for who the hell I am. And as someone who spent way too much time researching her, the first year of her yeah. career, um, you know, I know that it would be a big boon in, in her direction. So I, I expect this to be very much a head down thing for Chicago. What's going to, the only thing that you question with Chicago is where their head is right now. Are they looking at New York or are they looking past New York? I would assume they're looking at New York, but you just never quite know. Yeah. I, so I'm of the belief that it, it takes, you know, several wins over not very many years in order to, to really invoke the word dynasty. But there is a certain dominance that comes with winning back to backs. Um, and it's, it really speaks to, I, I can think of tons of examples in every sport where, you know, a team got hot at the right time. Washington Nationals went to, to the Houston Astros, won four games at their place, won the World Series. And then immediately, like they were not a factor the following year. You know, you win back to backs, you kind of define at least a small window of that era of WNBA basketball. You go from, Hey, Chicago's never won one to like, they traded for Candace Parker and immediately won a pair and they were the team to be like Vegas. Great team. Seattle storm. Great team. They have their own era that they can speak to. It, it's kind of all about Chicago. If you went back to backs and that's, uh, that's very much on the table this year. So I think that's a good point, which to say to that two points, one Tampa Bay lightning fans, I got you because you were the dynasty multiple, you know, back to back champion team that everyone forgot about. And then the avalanche Fair. one, and now yeah, no one's going to remember the lightning. So Tampa Bay fans, I feel you. That's got to be frustrating. The other side of things, D Smith, uh, in, on Twitch in the chat, you noted as a quick ad before we get to the last half of the playoffs, uh, made the comment we need more W history episodes. We've got some good news. We've got a couple of things on the way. Um I know our our boy Kay Haywood is uh Kyle K. Haywood, Grandpa Kyle, as my son calls him, uh is looking to stir some stuff up. I'm in the middle of something. So there will be some W history uh running in probably in the fall. So be on the on the listen out for that because that'll be coming. Um, but I know you've got a short schedule to load Thanks. and I don't want to stretch you out further, but let's, let's hit these last matchups. Uh, absolutely. We're, oh, I'm so ready for, for this. <laughs> this is going to be such a good discussion. Um, the number three seed Connecticut Sun finished 25 and 11 because they're always great. And they are going to be matched up with the six seed Dallas Wings, the complete chaos card in this playoffs. They finished the season a perfect 500 at 18 and 18. The you cookie, never know what you're going to get with the Don't forget Wings. the cookie dough ice cream. They, the, <laughs> the cookie dough of the WNBA. They they are seven the, the Wings are 7 and 3 in their last 10 and those those aren't really like spread out. They had a five game win streak in there that included an overtime victory. They have I won't call them red hot, but they have been playing exceptionally well. And part of that I I'm going to tee this up for you a little bit has been Arike Gobowale hasn't had to be the dude. Um, I, I, maybe that's not the way to, to phrase it for women's basketball, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like for a long time, we've defined this, this team by, Hey, if Arike goes off for 30, they'll probably win because she, she's capable of that. She hasn't been the team's leading scorer since July 24th, 10 games ago. And they've been winning. So riddle me this, uh, as, as the team that actually boasts the season series over Connecticut, two games to one, are the Dallas Wings primed for the upset bid here? That's hard. It is. It's really hard. Um, because uh, it. I truly don't know. It's a hard one because 
if there was maybe an upset to be called, it, it, this one's very close. Um, and I mean, when you look at, you know, this run that they had, especially this run that got them into locking in the six seed, because for a while they were in that same seven, eight sweepstakes a lot of teams were in, and then they kind of surged forward, uh, went 500 and, and, you know, pulled this whole situation together. So, you know, is momentum there for them where, you know, the sun were in a way you could call even keel in some way or another. Um, it really comes down to so many factors because I like what you said. The reliance on Enrique having to be the primary scorer and the pivotal player has really helped this team stretch itself out. Um, especially when it comes down to Marina Mabry, who in the last four games went 31, 19, 10, and 27. Um, I mean, she's just been fantastic. Whew. Um, and the question is, does the stage, does the playoff stage make Dallas feel forced to change that narrative and make this, we've got to put that pressure on Enrique because you have to have that star oh, I hope, who comes, I hope who, who puts up, because here's <laughs> the thing, I'm not going to say like in a pivotal last shot moment, I'm not going to discredit an Enrique Gumbawale for wanting the ball in that moment. The pedigree is there. That's not to say it shouldn't be here, but it's to say, do they take that narrative and turn away from the strategy that's got them back, like games? Because in their mind, that's what wins a playoff game more than just a regular game. And I think that's a bit of a scary thought because if what makes the sun work the way the sun always work is that they have a strategy that starts with a seed on day one and by day end, uh, they've built it into this machine and that machine continues to go at that, the, that the pace and strategy that it has. And you're looking at a team that's well coached, well formulated, well oiled and looking for a gap in your structure. And if they find it, they will exploit it. And that's a huge risk you put in if you're Dallas. So I think it's got high potential. I really do. For heaven's sakes, they had a three-game series this year, and they won it two to one. So you would think that it's high potential there. I worry a little bit that they 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 try to get cute with their strategy, or they try to let's do something they're not going to see coming, and I, I worry that that hurts them in the long run. But that's that's about it. That's that's definitely on the table. Um, but man, I, I think I like this team in the playoffs as much as I've ever liked a 500 team in the playoffs. Um, it does feel like they really figured some things out down the stretch. Remember this team traded for Tierra McCown in the off season. They got some new coaching. Marina Mabry's really come into her own. She, like you said, she's five of her last seven games. She's been over 20 points. Um, and it's not really a shock anymore. It's not like, Oh, maybe she's really good. It's like, no, that's just who she is. Um, Kayla Thornton is doing it. If, if they spread the ball around and get her involved, they have three really capable scorers that could hang with anybody. And that little winning streak at the end of their season wasn't just against, you know, punching bags. They beat Chicago on the road. They beat Atlanta on the road and at home against Vegas, they got a two point victory. So they scrapped their way to a playoff spot, scrapped their way to 500. I think they're going to be a really tough out. And we haven't really spent too much time talking about the, uh, the opponent here, but. We, we don't trust Connecticut, do we? Like, Connecticut's a great team. They have the same squad every year. They're super well coached. Um, 
I I feel like they actually have the widest variance of outcomes of anyone in the playoffs right now because they could win the whole dang thing. They could go out in a sweep to Dallas. It's it just depends on who they are the day that they wake up and play the game. I I don't trust them. They've been good for so long and they haven't been able to get through the postseason for so long that I kind of have to see it to believe it. That makes me kind of lean. I, I I mean, do we think it's going to be chalk in the playoffs or do we think someone's going to make it through the first round? Because if anyone is getting through, it's probably the wings. I think I'm picking Dallas in this series. <laughs> um, please stop me. <laughs> I mean, I'd be tempted to as well. I, it, it's not, it's, one thing we've got to remember about this Connecticut team, they are one game from being in a top seed discussion as well. I mean, they, at, for a point, were in that driver's seat and they had a one tough stretch and have maintained themselves fairly well, all things considered. I don't, you know, but what uh, your point is that makes it interesting is to say that as a strategy, they've essentially maintained the same strategy as a similar run. As a matter of fact, a team who has this type of strategy, you would expect to make some sizable changes at some point to see if it gets them over the hill. And their changes have been going back to other strategy. You know, let's get Courtney Williams back on the roster. You know, it's been that type of situation. Um, and I think that adds to the intrigue and, and the discussion of what, you know, is doable and not doable as far as this team's looking. It's hard because it's not like they've played skittishly. They've lost two games to the sky over the last couple of weeks. Otherwise no. they've been pretty well chalk. Um, you know, in the last, they've been nine of their last 11 games. So what's interesting here is yes, Dallas has been very hot. They've looked really good. Uh, it's not like Connecticut are playing Rocky. Uh, you know, like it's not, you know, they've been on some sort of ground floor. So it's just a really tough call. Maybe, but, but you look at their record and the, I mean, the first thing you notice is they, they haven't lost that many games, right? Their record is like you said, it's a game off the pace of Chicago and Vegas. And so you, you expect them to make a deep run. But if I could, I mean, if, <laughs> if I could have handpicked the worst possible matchup for them in the first round, the only games they've lost this year that kind of make you scratch your head are two games to the Dallas Wings. Everybody else is like, Oh, they, you know, they lost. At Chicago, they lost versus Vegas. They lost an overtime game at home to Chicago. Like, you know, those are all pretty defensible losses. Those are really good teams. And then they have those two, those two against Dallas that just kind of jump out at you. Like they just have their number. And I, I'm kind of, I know past seasons really don't have much influence on what happens this postseason, but I've kind of the, I've, I've colored the Connecticut Sun as the great team that can't get it done in the postseason for so long that it sort of feels like we're due for another round of that. I'm nervous for that. I mean, they play it. They would play a two seed next series potentially. So I think that speaks for it. But I, I, I'll say this: I'm skeptical of buying fully into the red hottedness of the Dallas Wings, especially because if if they pull off a second win over the Liberty back on the 10th or beat the Mercury on the 12th, I feel okay with that because they did lose two of their last three and their final game was against a Sparks team that honestly, it was shocking. They showed up to the arena. Uh, like I don't, I, I like, I, I, <laughs> I don't know how much I give full credit 
for for beating uh, a very very like done with it Sparks team on that last day of the year. So it's like it's not a three game losing streak, but it's almost like a two and a half game losing streak because that win is yes a win, but it's what is it? So the last few games I look at and I go, how fully can I buy into Dallas? It's hard to tell. What really helps them is exactly what you said. As far as matchups go, they've really gotten the job done. I think their last matchup was back in July. So it's been a minute. Um, but you know, they had a si- that was a sizable win. Um, I believe their defeat to the sun. I mean, that was the, when they played back to back against them, which is intriguing. Um, and of course that sec, that second win they got over them was at home. So it is, it's an extremely tough call. I'm, I'll put it this way. So that we can move on to our final matchup right now. I lean toward the sun here. I'm going to give them a two to one stretch on this to make it fun though. Just cause I'm going to give Dallas the first game. I'm going to let them have that buzz of like, (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. But I, I would expect Connecticut to close it out two to one. It feels like you're taking Dallas and you know what? I'm not going to stop you. If you want to do it, go for it. I, I'm going to take the wings and then be wrong. Um, and that's fine. I've, I've been known to reverse jinx teams further into the playoffs before. So <laughs> I am going to take Dallas two games to one. Um, I, I, I just live your life there. There. I don't even know if wings fans believe in the wings, but I think it's just a bad matchup for Connecticut. And I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it's the sun's year, despite how good they've been. And I, I feel bad about that because they absolutely are one of the best teams in the in the league. Uh, our final matchup is going to be equally fun. These are two teams that we know and love. They've interacted a lot with us on Twitter. We know that they listen. They have the exact same regular season record. They have almost identical points for games, point differentials, basically everything that you could <laughs> you could shake a stick at. They have two players that have uh, been MVP Finals MVP candidate type players. They have recent championships in their history. I'm talking about the four seed Seattle Storm taking on the five seed Washington Mystics, a team who we did not believe in at the start of the year in our preseason predictions episode. They are the five seed. They're 22 and 14. Uh, Elena Deladon, uh, she's been kind of managed all season long in order to have her, her workload not tire her out so that she can stay healthy. But we're going to have a Bree Stewart, Elena Deladon clash here in what should be the closest series, uh, at least by seeding that you could imagine if there's, if there's any series that's going to feature an overtime game, you'd assume it would be this one. Uh, they did Seattle won the season series, two games to one. Uh, they played fairly recently, just two weeks ago. They played two games in Seattle on back to back nights. Uh, Seattle won the first Washington won the second by three. Ariel Atkins had a good game. Shakira Austin's been, having a great season, frankly, for, uh, for this team, the Natasha cloud's been someone that we've talked a lot about this season. Um, I, I don't even know where you want to pick to start here. There's, there's a lot of storylines going on with both of these teams. What are your impressions of the four or five matchup? See, this is where it's different for me. I really like the mystics in this one. Um, I see how the storm win it. I mean, there's no question there. The Storm have probably, of almost all eight of these teams, had the rockiest closing to the season. Uh, their last, I think, 11 games, one, two, three, four, five, six, they went five and six. 
um, had a hard time finding footing and endured a very end of season like Sue Bird farewell tour. That it almost I think the the feel of the storm is almost strange coming into the series because it was such a farewell. It certainly felt like the year was over, and then it's like, well, here come the playoffs. So that makes things extremely interesting. <laughs> um, the matchups go a lot farther than Stewie and, De- and Deladon. I mean, I think the Natasha v. Jewel Lloyd matchup is going to be just awesome. Um, you know, I think that yes. there's, a, there's a lot. Jewel to- Lloyd, who we should mention, just went off for 37. Money. And like, oh, that was awesome. I, I wish they pulled that one off because that was such a, that was such a good performance. So that's what, what makes things tough here is, is where that comes from. I like Washington a little bit more defensively. I probably would take Seattle's firepower on offense a little more, but that's where this gets, this one gets interesting. I could see uh, Seattle starting at home as a bit of an edge, but I don't know if the home record is, is a huge pull either way here. And the other side of it is you, you talked about it. Elena Deladon is is the leading scorer on the Mystics. She's dropping 17 and a half points on very limited minutes. I imagine knowing that this is a competitive matchup that you might start to see that get unleashed a little bit. And if she can maintain her health, because that's a big if, um, if we see her in the mid thirties in a minute load, um, it's going to be terribly intriguing for her, which is why, I might be leaning in Washington's direction for this one. And that's someone who loves Seattle. Also, if this goes three games, uh, you know, if every season, uh, series were to go the distance, right? This is, this would be the storm's best chance to say goodbye to Sue on home court. So that'd be kind of cool, but they probably wouldn't want to do that. They'd probably want to keep it running, but you know what I mean? At least there's that. So just to get cut, to, I know we're cutting short on time. Just to yeah, get cut yeah, straight yeah. to the prediction, I'm I'm going to take Washington in this one two to one. I just feel that, um, and I certainly know every Storm fan is going to let me know hard uh, when when Seattle pulls this one off because they'll they'll deserve it. But um, I think Washington has that. I also think they're I was they're prepared. really Washington was a shocking team at the start of the year because they were in like that yeah. top three discussion for a while. And then they regressed only down to the five. And I think they are not in love with how little people are talking about them. Uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if no. they make a run out of things because of that. Well, and it's been, it's been fun for us on the back end. Cause I know at the beginning of the year, I think Washington and Atlanta were the two teams that I probably had the least amount of thoughts on. I just, I didn't know what to make of them. Didn't know what their identity was going to be this year. And I, I, I was prepared 48 hours ago to make the mystics, my kind of my dark horse team to make a run this postseason. The, the thing that gives me pause is that aces storm game that kind of marked the, I mean, it did mark the end of the season. It to me looked more like Seattle had championship aspirations than I, I thought they were going to have this year, right? Like this, this is kind of the Sue Bird farewell tour and, Maybe Stewie's gone this off season, and then all of a sudden, Jewel went for thirty-seven. Stewie reminded us all, like, oh, yeah, she's kind of the best player on earth. Um, I, I know Sue Bird isn't the player that she once was, but I think her impact on the court matters, her ability to move the ball and just run the offense. 
So it kind of felt to me like, like, oh, this, this Seattle Storm team might be showing us like a finals preview. And so I can't in good conscience take the Storm out in the first round. I realize this is basically the inverse of the argument I just made for the upstart Dallas Wings to take out the Connecticut Sun. But I think I am going to have to take the Storm in this series. I am gonna, I'm going to say three games, though. I think the, the Mystics can conduct themselves with honor and, and win that second game and keep things going. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I think the last real... Uh, I would say narrative here is going to be that there's, there's Tina Charles drama here. And whenever there's Tina Charles drama, there's often some, inter- there's something very, ah, that's true. It. That's true. And is that her chip on her shoulder with Washington or is it Washington saying this is for moving on and then moving on again? Um, so no, I, I love these matchups. This is going to be an extremely fun series. And I'm intrigued to see how it pans out, but that's the, that's the playoff preview from your WNBA hosts. I'm glad we were able to hop on today and get this one out. Do, do be on the lookout for a lot more episodes coming your way throughout the playoffs. Like every couple of days, we're going to be giving you the latest. Um, and I'm very excited for that. Um, and then off season, we've got a lot of off season stuff planned. So make sure you stick with us. Uh, I know every year we do a little bit more with the college game. We have WNBA history planned. And we, we always just uh, kind of expect the offseason to be a little bit of a, a flat line in terms of our like our show metrics and, and listens and whatever. And you guys have been so awesome the last year or two, just continuing to continuing to support us during that kind of the doldrums of, of the fall and uh, and winter months and sticking with us and engaging with us on whether we're on Twitch or whether we're on Twitter. We actually saw an uptick in the offseason last year. That's that's how nuts it's been. And that's all thanks to just the best sports fans in the universe. W fans have been very supportive. Yeah, it's it's been it's been really really cool. And the the playback watch parties. Yeah, no, those are like we we instituted a lot of new changes this year and you guys hung with us through all of it. So, uh, we're just excited about that. We're excited to crown a new champion here in just a couple weeks at the WNBA. So, stick with us through all of that. Um, that about does it for the show. I'll go ahead and wrap um, for WNBA Nation. I'm Logan Jones. I'm Steve Schwartzman. And we got you next time. No, I'll see you